exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We trust in our God. Amen. We trust Him. Hey, I'm so excited about the future of Christ Fellowship because God has given us such an amazing pastor. I've been here, been in the background, serving in the background, and just watching our new pastor preach the Word of God with authority, with conviction. So excited. And I'm also excited about this new series that Pastor Omar has asked me to sort of kick off today called Unsinkable. Love this. So I want to begin today by reading from our primary text. So let's remain standing at all of our campuses. And I want to read from Titus chapter 1, verse 1, to sort of get us thinking in this direction. So you listen as I, as I read this. The Bible says this. Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to build up the faith of God's elect. Everybody say, build up. Build up. Everybody say, build up the faith. Build up. Say it like you mean it. Build up the faith. Build up the faith. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. So grab a seat at all of our campuses. So glad to see you today. And I want to set things up by by sharing this with you. All through my childhood, I grew up in this huge apartment complex that literally had hundreds and hundreds of duplex apartments, which meant, which meant I had dozens and dozens of childhood buddies all about my same age. And folks, I loved it because we did everything together. We played football together. We played baseball together in the backyard. We played basketball together. And when we became teenagers, we started swimming together. You see, by the time we all hit 15, 16 years old, of course, we got our driver's license. And we all worked, so we all bought our, our own cars. And so on hot summer days, we would all drive out to this lake in Rock Hill, South Carolina, called Lake Wiley. And specifically, specifically, we would all gather at this park called, right there, called Ebenezer Park. Now, I want you to follow me here, because there was, and there still is to this day, a small island about 300 yards offshore. It's about the size of a baseball diamond. But check this out. For many of my teenage buddies, it was always, always a temptation to try to swim out to this, it's called Goat Island, to try to swim out to Goat Island, which again is about 300 yards swim. Now mind you, for a, for a strong swimmer, one who had built up his swimming muscles, that swim was no challenge at all. But I don't have to tell you. Yeah, for a weak swimmer, and for one who had not built up his swimming muscles, that swim was not only a challenge, but it could be deadly because of the sheer physics of it. And by that, I mean when you add up the distance plus the undertow of gravity all the way, plus the drag of trying to cut through that water, you add all of those negative effects with a weak body that is becoming tired and fatigued. And folks, you've got a prescription. You've got a prescription for sinking. In fact, you've got a prescription for drowning. 
And that's precisely what happened. Three of my childhood buddies, Mark, Patrick, and Calvin, all drowned trying to swim from there to there. In fact, when Patrick drowned, when he got tired and went under, one of my buddies to this day, Keith Anglin, actually was with him when they were swimming out and went under and had had found Patrick and had him by the hair and lost him. And he went under and he drowned. And everybody heads up. Because every one of those drowned swimmers underestimated the force of gravity, underestimated the drag of the water, while at the same time overestimating their own strength. (laughs) The fact is, every one of them had not built up their faith muscle. I mean, their swimming, (laughs) yeah, their swimming muscles. In fact, I asked Pastor Sammy Flores, how many at all our campuses? Yeah, we all know Sammy. What you may not know is Sammy is an Ironman competitor, which is an extreme endurance race. And that race begins with a two and a quarter mile swim. And so I asked Pastor Sammy this week, I said, Sammy, what does it take to swim that long distance. And without hesitation, he said, you've got to build up your swimming muscles. Namely, he said, your leg muscles, your arm muscles, your core muscles, and your your heart muscles. He said, you've got to be able to build up those four muscle groups to be able to endure the, the drag and the gravity and to have a body that is unsinkable. Everybody say unsinkable. Unsinkable. Yeah. Now let me turn a corner and bring all of that imagery over to this new series called Unsinkable. Because folks, what an image of your faith and my faith. And by that I mean just like there are physical forces that can pull a swimmer down and inexorably drown him, sink him, just like that, for every believer in here, you need to know there are life forces that can pull you down and eventually sink your faith in God. And I'm talking about life forces like pain and sorrow and despair and loss, the death of a child, the death of a loved one, setback. All of these forces, when you combine all of that with a weak faith, folks, you have got a prescription for a faith that can and will be probably sunk. And let me tell you, I've seen it too many times throughout the years of my ministry. And I'm talking about people who once walked with God, loved God, served God, but all of a sudden they were, they were confronted with the undertow of some sorrow, some pain, some tragedy, some setback, and coupled that with the fact that they had a weak faith, and their faith and their love and their trust in God was sunk, and they no longer walk with, it, with their God. And many of them to this day are estranged from a God that they once trusted and they once loved. So here's my proposition today. God wants you and me 
to build up our faith so that our faith becomes strong and unsinkable. Amen? Let me say that again. God wants you and me to build up our faith muscles so that our faith is strong and so that our faith can never be sunk. We trust in our God. We will not be shaken. We will not be sunk. That's what God wants for us. Now, you might be saying, well, what do you mean by faith anyway? We hear that term all the time. What do you mean by, by faith? And how in the world would I build up a faith muscle? How would I do that? We're going to find out as we kick off this new series called Unsinkable. How many of you have your listening guides at all of our campuses? Yeah, we like to take notes here. This is one you definitely want to take notes on. And let me preface everything by saying this. Today is going to come across a lot more like, a lot more like, yeah, teaching than preaching. Meaning what? You might not walk out of here with goosebumps. But my goal today, yeah, is to build a foundation for this series that will help you to always have a faith that cannot be sunk. Amen? Amen, Amen, God's people? All right, three thoughts about faith. Here we go. If you're filling in the blanks, number one, our relationship with God is built on faith. Our relationship with God is built on faith. On faith. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to the primary text. Listen to this. Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, watch this, to build up the faith of God's elect. Now, stop right there. Because the word of God is talking there to God's people, and he's talking about building up our faith, building up our faith muscle, if you will. In other words, just like a long-distance swimmer, has to build up his swimming muscles to be unsinkable. Listen, child of God, to be a long-distance follower of God, you've got to build up your faith muscles to be unsinkable. Why? Because our entire relationship with God rises or sinks on our faith in Him. Our relationship with God begins with faith, And it is sustained by faith, which is why, which is why the Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith, without faith, it's what? Yeah, it's impossible to please God. Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on for a moment. Because every time you see that word faith in your Bible, believe, they're the same thing. Uh, You need to know that as a term of endearment. It's, it's a translation of the Greek word pistos, which, which is a term of endearment, and it literally means to trust somebody, to trust them. In fact, to trust them to the point that you have complete confidence in that person. You see, I don't have to tell you that trust is always the core of any relationship, whether it's God, your spouse, a friend. You see, you may be able to begin a relationship with somebody that you don't trust, But you cannot sustain a relationship with somebody you don't trust. Which is why, which is why, when it comes to our relationship with God, Satan will always, always go after your trust in him. We trust in our God, right? That's what Satan will always go after. 
Now, I want you to follow me here because faith begins in our mind. It is an intellectual reality. In other words, when we believe in God, that occurs in your mind. That occurs in your brain. Faith begins in your brain, and it is sustained in your brain, in your mind, which is why, again, Satan will always target, target your mind. Because he knows if he can get you to, hmm, doubt things. To doubt that maybe, maybe you're not even created by God. Maybe your professor in college was right. Maybe you evolved. Maybe you're nothing more than a high-class ape. And maybe you don't have a purpose in this life. Maybe God has no purpose. He didn't make you. And maybe, you, you know, maybe you're not going to heaven when you die. You see, if God can get, I mean, if Satan can get you to doubt those kind of things, then all he's got to do is hit you with a tragedy. And your faith goes down because you have nothing that it's resting on. Nothing solid. Just pure emotions. Pure emotions. Now, folks, all of that being said, here's what I love. In this series, we're going to give you four faith builders that will help you go the distance with God by strengthening your faith so that your faith cannot ever be sunk. Amen? Amen. So we're going to start off with the foundational truth, and that is truth itself. Truth itself, the very foundation. So write this down as big number two in your outline. Knowing the truth builds unsinkable faith. Knowing the truth. Everybody say truth. Everybody say the truth. Yeah, knowing the truth builds unsinkable faith. Listen to Titus 1 again. Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to build up the faith of God's elect. And how does God build up our faith? Here's what he does. Watch this. And their knowledge of the what? Of the truth. Now stop right there. Because unsinkable faith, everybody heads up, you can't miss this one. Unsinkable faith begins with a knowledge of the truth. In fact, you show me somebody who, who calls himself a believer who, have, who has a weak knowledge of the truth, and I'll show you somebody who's got a weak faith. Put another way, as goes your knowledge of the truth, so goes the strength of your faith. Now, I want you to keep your thinking caps on. Because when the people of Jesus' day talked about truth, they weren't necessarily talking about just something that's true. You know, one plus one is two, that's true. But when they talked about truth, they were talking about something on a much deeper level than that. In fact, write this down as A and B. Truth, in the, in the biblical term, in the b- biblical way of thinking about it, truth is the answer to life's existential questions. In other words, truth answers the questions to our existence. And for the people of Jesus' day, they reduce truth down to three profound questions of our existence. Here they are. Number one, origin, 
Number two, purpose. Number three, destiny. Everybody say origin. Origin. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. Everybody say destiny. Destiny. Everybody say origin. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. Everybody say destiny. destiny. Now listen, listen. To the people of Jesus' day, the answer to these three questions, by the way, origin, the question was, how did the human race come into existence? How did we get here? Purpose asked the question, why do we exist? Why are we here? We have a purpose. And destiny asked the question, where do we exist, if anywhere, beyond this life? Now, here's what you need to understand. To the people of Jesus' day, the answer to those three questions was the answer to the truth. To the truth. But folks, here's the rug. Throughout human history, People have struggled to find the answer to these three questions. How did we get here? How did we come into existence? Were we created by God? Or did we just evolve into this? And and why are we here? Do we have some greater purpose in life? or, Or do we not really have a purpose? Just eat, drink, and be merry. Is that it? And where do we go when we die? Do we have some greater destiny beyond this life, or do you die like the roadkill on the side of the road? You're just dead. Again, those are the three profound questions of our existence, but to our frustration, mankind cannot find the answer to these questions. And here's why. It's very simple. We weren't there when the human race came into existence. We weren't there when the story of mankind, none of us were there. We've just been dropped into the middle of this thing. In fact, let me give you an example of this. A while back, I think it was about a year ago, I had a crazy dream. I was taking melatonin. Anybody of you ever take that, help you sleep? Don't, it'll give you crazy, crazy dreams. But, I dreamed that I was all of a sudden an actor on a movie set. It's like I was in the movie set, and the the movie set was making the movie, and I had no idea what I was doing, how I even got there. And and I'm walking around, and I'm telling the other actors, I'm going, I'm not not really an actor. In fact, I'm a preacher. I pastor this church. But they, you know, you know how it is in a dream, couldn't get everybody to listen to me. And so I just start trying to go through the movie with them. And I, I keep asking the other actors, how did I get here? You know, and where, you know, what, what's, what's my role? Who am I? What do I play? And where's this story going? I don't understand the story. Oh, you know, just crazy, crazy melatonin dream. Yeah. But folks, when I woke up, I thought, what an image of human existence. Because... When you're born, it's like you're dropped into the middle of a story that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And we weren't there at the beginning, so we don't know how this all started. We don't know what our role is in this story, and we don't even know where the story's going. All of that has to do with truth. By the way, a lot of people have given up on finding the answers to this. They've just resigned. Nobody knows. In fact, you remember when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. And Pilate said this to him in John 18. You then are a king, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, 
The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the what? To the truth. But watch Pilate's response. What is truth? What is truth? Folks, do you feel the sigh in those words? Do you feel the resignation? It's like Pilate is saying to Jesus, truth? I want the truth. I need the truth. Nobody knows the truth. You see, there's something in us. It's in you. It's in me that wants to know the answers to, purpose, to, to origin, purpose, and destiny. We want to know the answers to that because we want the truth. <laughs> Reminds me of that movie, A Few Good Men. You remember that? Tom Cruise says to Jack Nichols. Son, take a look. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for an answer. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel, Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, you cut these guys loose! Your Honor, you had markets inside a bony transfer! Your Honor, you doctored the logbooks! Consider yourself in contempt! Colonel Jessup! Did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Everybody say, I want the truth! Everybody say, I want the truth! Yeah, listen, there is something in every human being in their heart that cries out, I want the truth! To origin, purpose, and destiny. But you see, the problem is, mankind searches for the answers to truth in the wrong place. He thinks he can find it in himself. But the truth is, the truth is, write this down as B, the answers to truth are found in the Word of God. In the Word of God. Jesus said to those of us who are his children, he said, you, you child of God, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus said, you will know the truth. And where do we find the truth? Jesus left no ambiguity about it. He said, thy word is the truth. Folks, that document that you hold in your hand that we call the Bible, the word of God, it is the truth. Because it contains the mind of God. It contains the heartbeat of God. It contains the plan of God. And it contains the answers that we all want the answer to. We want the truth. And Jesus says, you'll know. You'll know. You'll have a knowledge of the truth. And that knowledge of the truth will set you free. Meaning what? When you know the truth about your origin, your purpose, and you, your destiny, when you have that in your heart, you have that, in your, that knowledge in your head, you can never be sunk Amen. in your faith in God. And so God, God wants us to find that truth in his word. And it's not relative truth. He gives us absolute truth. And so to tell you about your origin, the first page of the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, Genesis chapter 2. God says, come on with me. I'll take you back to the beginning. 
And I'll tell you the story of mankind. And he begins to describe this incredible creation to great detail. And then he says the crowning act of that creation was you and me. We're the crowning act of God's creation. And what makes you so special is God didn't just create you. He says he created you in his likeness. In other words, there's something about God, of God, that is in you. That's when, why when God looks at you, he loves you. There's something of God in everybody in here. And because God made you, because he created you, he has a purpose for your life. And he has a plan for your life. That is where the Bible takes us. And that is what you need to have a knowledge of. A knowledge of. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let me say that again. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They don't know the truth. Tell you what, back to our primary text. Listen to what the text says. Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to build up the faith of God's elect. And how does God build up your faith? Here it is. And there, say it with me. Knowledge. Say it like you mean it there. Knowledge. knowledge of the truth. Folks, the word knowledge there is explicit. It's a translation of the Greek word epigonosko. I always tell you, your Bible, New Testament, originally written in Koine Greek. Translated English, Spanish, whatever. That word knowledge Epigonosco. Gnosko is the word from which we get words like diagnosco, diagnosis, prognosco, prognosis. It has to do with your mind. God cares about your mind, your brain. And epigonosco means intense knowledge, strong knowledge. In other words, folks, the point is this when God wants to get you to have faith in him, he does not bypass your brain. When God wants you to believe in him and trust in him, he doesn't tell you, oh, put your brain in neutral. You just believe it because I told you to believe it. Mm -mm. God goes straight for your brain. And he gives your brain what your brain has to have to believe anything. And that is substance and evidence. You can't believe much of anything without a certain amount of substance and a whole lot of evidence. You need that. And God gives us that. In fact, Hebrews 11 says this, faith, that is trust in God. Faith, here's what it's built on. Faith is the substance, the substance of hope, of things hoped for and the, yeah, the evidence. You say meaning what? Meaning your faith our faith in God is not built on emotionalism. It's not built on a feeling. Feelings change. They come and go. Listen, you put your faith on feelings and you're going to get sunk. God gives us something far more solid than emotions and feelings. He gives us solid evidence. And he begins with, write this down as one and two. I'm almost through. Hang with me. He gives us, first of all, the evidence of science. The evidence of science. So I need you to put your science caps on just for a moment. Because if you know anything about scientific disciplines, you know that the scientific method is facts 
based on observa- this is the definition, facts based on observable evidence. In other words, we draw conclusions not based on feelings, not based on emotions. We draw conclusions based on observable evidence, repeatable evidence that we can see, that we can test. It has to be observed. And folks, that's exactly what God gives us, is observable evidence. Specifically, he gives us the observable evidence of complexity. Everybody say complexity. Yeah, listen to Hebrews 2. Listen to what the Word of God says. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind? Not who are we. The question is, what the heck are we? Are we nothing but high-class apes? Or are we more than that? Not who are we. This is not a question of identity. This is a question of what are we? And God gives us the answer. The Bible gives us the answer. Listen to this. You, that is God, you, what? Made Made them. Created them. By the way, folks, that word made, it's explicit again, and it carries the idea of complex design. And let me tell you something. That is the smoking gun that there has been intelligence involved in our creation. In other words, you know, God shows us the complexity of the entire world. And I'm talking about the complexity all the way down to the smaller things. You know, you go all the way down into the human cell, and as small as that is, what we see is complexity. Darwin, who came up with the theory of evolution, called the cell the simple cell. He said it's just a blob of protoplasm. We now know with the advent of stronger microscopes that one cell is more complex than the entire city of Miami. It's that complex. And you've got trillions of them alive, whole cities from which your body is comprised. You go further down than that, you go down into atomic structure, down into the protons and the electrons and the neutrons. And we thought that used to be the building block, but then we got stronger microscopes. You go on down in there, we find there are quarks and neutrinos and a whole nother world of subatomic particles below that. And we'll probably never find the end to the smallest building block. It goes on forever and ever because it was created by an infinite God. You look at the complexity of everything that's small and go all the way up to the complexity of every human system and you look at all of the the life in this world there's all these complex systems and they're all completely different not one of them is exactly alike all of that screams engineering all of that screams design all of that screams intelligence I mean just look at you you just look at the complexity of the systems that are at work within you right now. And your brain is making all of them work and you're not even having to think about it. It's the computer making them work. Here's here's a few of the systems that are at work within you. You have a skeletal system. And it's it's like the framework of a building. It's what holds everything together. You have a muscular system that makes you mobile. You're not stuck like a building. You're tactile. You can move. You can engage. You can interact. You have a digestive system which digests your food and it's an engineering marvel. Aren't you glad your teeth aren't in your toes? (laughs) Right? 
The Bible calls your teeth grinders. It grinds everything up before it's, you know, if your teeth were in your toes, you'd have to say, hold on a minute, let me flip upside down and get this stuff to go there. Aren't you glad that it's right there where it is? Aren't you glad that when you swallow food, you have a flap in there that goes shut so the food doesn't go down your windpipe, which means every time you took a bite, you would die from choking to death. There's a windpipe there. Why? Engineering and design systems. Take a look. You have a cardiovascular system with 75,000 miles of intricate plumbing that sends life-giving blood to the 65 trillion cells, 65 trillion cities inside of your body. Complexity. You have a respiratory system. You have a neurological system. You have a wastewater management system. You have an auditory system. You have a visual system. You have an immune system. You have a dermatological system. You have a reproductive system. You were born with it. Every one of us has a reproductive system that can make another one of you. And you'll have fun making it. How about that? And listen, every one of those systems can only work if it's all together at one time. My eyes won't work if they're evolving. My eyes will only work if everything is there. The cones, the rods, all of it has to be in place. My digestive system, my neurological, my cardiovascular system. I can't be alive waiting on my heart to develop. It all has to be at one point. And by the way, not only did God make it complex, he made it beautiful. He architected it. Look at how beautiful you are. Just look around, not me, I'm scared, <laughs> but look at you, how beautiful you are. You see, folks, here, here's, here's the point, here's the point. By the way, by the way, I gotta, I gotta add this. God not only gives us evidence and, and appeals to evidence, God also gives us, write, write this down as a little number two, the, 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 the substance of logic. God appeals to your logic. Now, I want you to keep your thinking caps on because the complexity of your body, just yours, and there's all kinds of animals out there, the complexity of your body is more complex than the space shuttle. Far more complex than the space shuttle. But I want you to think this through. Ask you a question. Is it possible, is it possible that this just made itself without any engineering, without any design, without, is, it, is it possible? Is it possible that through thousands and millions of years, you know, the wind swept through the world and it picked up some wire and it formed that wire and it strung that wire in the right places and it just happened to be there. And then millions of years went by and, and it, these computer systems came together and seats and everything went in here and navigational systems. And then, and then millions of years went by and the metals of the earth came together and formed the wings and formed the body and formed the tail and formed the, 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 and the grabbed grab the, the carbon fiber and put it on the bottom so it wouldn't burn up on reentry. And, and then billions of years it went through and it grabbed oil and, and refined that oil and put it in the engines and put the solid rocket boosters on and, and then put it all together and, and lifted it and off it went. Is it possible that that happened? Let's just say for the moment. I agree. But let's just say for the moment, okay, it's possible. It's possible. But here's the next question. Is that probably what, ha what happened? 
In other words, would you walk up on that kind of complexity and say, you know, what probably happened here was over billions and billions of years of time, it all came together and started. You would not say that. You know why? Because that's illogical. You have to put your brain aside to assume that happened on its own because you see the design, you see the engineer. You're far more complex than that piece of metal. You say, but Rick, my, my professor told me that there's evidence for this. Okay, stay with me on this. You know, that we ascended from monkeys. You ever, how many of you have seen the monkey to ape to man? How many of you have seen that chart? You know, it's in the Smithsonian. Do you realize not one piece of that actually exists? It's all somebody's imagination? Do you realize that Piltdale man, Java man, Nebraska man... Neanderthal man, the latest Lucy, they have all been proven to be either nothing than modern-day gibbons, monkeys, and all they find is some chips and some jawbones and a leg bone and fabricate this whole thing. But all of that has been proven. Don't take my word for it. Go home and dig it up on your own. It's all been proven to either be an outright hoax or a complete fabrication. None of it truly exists. You see, folks, here, here's where I'm going with this. You see, Satan wants to convince you you're not special, that you're, not, you're just a freak of nature. You're an accident of the universe. You're a cosmological blunder. You're nothing but a high-class monkey. You're not special. God doesn't love you. God didn't make you. There's not something of you in God. You see, because if he can convince you of that, and if you're a believer, if he can get you to start doubting all of that, what happens? All he's got to do is send something negative into your world to sink your faith. Because you don't have it built on anything. That's what he wants to do. By the way, do you realize, you know, the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Do you realize that none of the backbone of evolution truly exists? None of it. There's no observable evidence. Darwin said, if my theory is, is true, he said, if, it's, this is, if we don't see this, he said, my theory is not, not true. He said, we will, if it's true, we'll find in the fossil record the record of changes. In other words, from a fish to, you know, a crawling thing to a monkey to a man to a dog to a cat, we'll see a change in kind. And he said, if, you don't, if we don't see that change in the fossil record, my, that disproves my theory. Now, folks, don't get me wrong. We see adaptation. God gave our bodies the ability to adapt. But what we don't see is change. And yet... Many of our kids go off to university and they're told, no, 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 this is a fact. There's the change. So I want you to take a look at this video and then we'll come back and close. You believe in evolution? Of course I do, yes. What Darwin showed in his work on evolution and natural selection is that we don't need to invoke any supernatural force or power to account for the development of life through time on Earth. The ongoing processes that, that are observable in today's world. You think it's a belief? I think it's just fact. I think more like facts. There is too much evidence to ignore. Do you think it's a belief? No, it's science. It's the way it happened. It's logic. I believe in science. What's your major here at this university? Biology. Your biology major? Yeah. You believe in evolution? Yes. What's your major? Geology. Chemistry? Biochemistry. Environmental science and policy. I'm a physicist. Biochemistry. 
Hey, do you believe in evolution? Uh, yes, I do. Do you believe in evolution? Yes, I do. Do you believe in evolution? Yes. Are you a strong believer? Yep. Uh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Could you give me some observable evidence that evolution is true? Uh, something I don't have to uh, receive by faith. Yeah. Some observable evidence. I mean, take a look at what happened 65 million years ago. Hang on, I can't. That's 65 million years ago. I believe, to yeah, millions of years. So that can't be observed. We can trace the evolution through the fossil record. Could you be specific? Just give me one. Um, uh, between six and seven million years ago. Hundreds of thousands to millions of years? So it's quite a long time. Yes. Millions of years. Yes. So it can't be observed. Evolution is is not testable over time. You've got the canine kind, the coyote, and the domestic dog, and there's the feline kind, which is the cats, the tiger and the kitten, and you've got humankind. So Darwin said there'd be a change of kinds over many years, so could you give me one example of observable evidence of a change of kinds? So for instance, the fossil record shows the common ancestors of all carnivores, that cats and dogs were once linked, once united by a common ancestor. How long ago? Uh, this, I believe, was like 60 million years ago. I don't want something I have to accept by faith. I want it to be observable. Observable evidence. Well, I mean, if you're just asking me here on the street, there's not really much I can tell you in terms of observable evidence. Like, we would have to really examine existing data to draw conclusions of our own. I would have to have faith then. We would have to have some amount of faith. Can you think of any observable evidence for Darwinian evolution, a change of kinds? I haven't seen it myself, but I believe what the textbooks tell me about it, so... You've got faith in the experts? I have faith in the experts, yeah. The scientific method is, must be observable and repeatable, so could you give me one piece of observable evidence for Darwinian evolution? Okay, I would point to, as one great example is, look at the genetics of the stickleback. What's that? Uh, so stickleback fish are a very interesting collection of species that were recently isolated after the end of the Ice Age. What did they become? They're, they're various species of sticklebacks. They stayed as fish? Well, of course. When you say change of kinds, you mean the evolution of one species from another or to another? Yes, we have that in action, actually, in the Galapagos. Could you uh, give me one instance? Yes, we have an example from a group of birds called Darwin's finches. How did the finches become? They become genetically new and anatomically new, recognizably different species. So they're still finches? Well, of course they're still finches, yet. So Darwinian evolution is not observable, it's not scientific? I guess so. So it's unscientific, you can't prove it. It's scientific, actually. You could prove it, it could be proven, just... Do it for me. Ah, that's hard, I don't got, I don't... It's just, that's just too broad of a... Of it's unobservable, that's why you need millions of years. Yes, exactly. You're well, trusting the biology majors and the biology professors know what they're talking about, yeah, and, and they can't even give me a, they can't even give me evidence of a change of kinds. Well, I'm, well then there isn't one. If they don't give it, then I don't, I wouldn't say there was. Yeah. I just go on what I've seen and what I've learned from class. So you believe? Yeah. You know what that's called? What? Blind faith. Blind faith. <laughs> Listen, God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Our children are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Our faith gets destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You see, if Satan can destroy your trust in Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible, first chapter of the Bible, he can sink your faith from there on. The truth is this. Write this down as number three. I'm going too long. The truth is you are extra special.
You're extra special. Why? Because your origin is God created you. And he created you in his likeness. Your purpose is he made you to have a relationship with you. Where you walk with him and he walks with you. You love him and he loves you. You and God doing life together. And your destiny is he wants wants to have you with him forever and ever. You see, God loves you. Even if you don't love him, you're here today and you say, I don't love God. He loves you. He cares about. Even if you're running from God today, God is pursuing you with all of his heart. And as we read the Bible, it is a story, a love story, of a God who made this prized possession, us. And the prized possession then broke relationship with God. And the whole story is this loving God pursuing a relationship with us because every one of us in here is special and every one of us in here is loved by God. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Him as Savior, you need to know He loves you. And maybe today for the first time you're saying, I didn't know there was this kind of evidence. I didn't know there was this kind of, I thought it was blind faith. God never calls us to blind faith. He calls us to faith, trust, built on substance and evidence. And perhaps, perhaps there's something in your heart you're thinking, I wish I knew that God. I wish I had a relationship with that God. Well, you can. And it's not very complicated. In fact, the Bible says this, everyone, that means you, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be given eternal life. How do you get saved? How do you become a child of God? How do you receive eternal life? You don't have to join a church. You don't have have to become religious. The last thing God wants. God says all you have to do is call on Him. Ask Him. You see, with God, it's never religious. It's always relational. Religion will turn you away from God. A relationship will draw you to Him. And He says He'll begin a relationship with you right now, today. Give you everlasting life. All you need to do is say, God, I want that. I want that. Why don't you call on him today? Right there where you're seated. In fact, let's bow our heads at all of our campuses. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you would like to receive Christ as Savior, if you'd like to begin this relationship with God, why don't you ask him right now to come into your life? You might be saying, well, Rick, I, you know, I, Rick, I don't, I don't know what to say. Well, listen, let, let me lead you in a prayer. You pray this prayer not to me. You pray it to God. This is not a scripted prayer. It's not a poem. So you pray this prayer with all of your heart because God is listening. Pray this prayer quietly. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving me the truth. Thank you for giving me truth based upon evidence, based on substance because I need that. Thank you, Lord, for showing me how special I am. Thank you for loving me. And Lord, right now, I want to receive eternal life. I want to begin a relationship with you. So I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and even my future sins. Wash that away in the blood of Christ. And I ask you to give me everlasting life.
Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your kindness, your compassion, your gentleness, your understanding, your forgiveness. And thank you for giving me eternal life. May I from this day forward spend the rest of my life following you, loving you, and, and being loved by you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.